0: Well good morning LCM. Good morning. Today is Sunday, August 15th, 2021. We can see how the Lord is leading us to rightly walk in his priesthood. I mean, the words that came forth this morning during our worship time are still moving my soul. It's been our joy to go to the fullest extent, the edge of our faith in all facets of leadership in this church. We're going to jump right on into scripture this morning because it's going to give us divine direction and discernment for upcoming sermons. Turn with us to Ephesians chapter 4 and we're going to look at verses 11 through 13 and we're going to look at it in the ESV.
1: Oh, the ESV. Say there when you're there. Ephesians 4.11 And he gave the apostles... The prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. Yeah, say mature manhood, mature manhood to the measure. Of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Mature manhood. Man, that's just, that's manly. How can it not be? Well, let's walk through a couple of principles in this verse, and it's going to give you an indication of where we're going. So, much like the Levites were given as a gift to the priesthood for the work of ministry, the fivefold is a gift. Given to the body of Christ in order to, as this passage says, to equip the saints. To equip you for the work of the ministry that God has ordained for you to do. Aren't you appreciative of that gift? Well, there's another beautiful reality found in this passage and in its perspective. Is that the body of Christ, you guys, like the Levites, were given as a gift by the God to the fivefold. So, not only is the fivefold a gift to the body, the body is a gift to the fivefold. This is seen in the unity. Remember the passage that says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. This is seen in the unity and the interdependence, the interconnectedness of the body of Christ. That is what it looks like to create a kingdom and nation of priests. Oh, come on, not just a nation of priests, a nation of joyful priests. Hey, y'all still with me? So the goal of this great work is that we all attain unity of the faith and arrive at the point mentioned here in Ephesians to mature manhood. Say mature manhood,
0: mature manhood. See, when you think of mature manhood, what comes to mind? Well, I know what doesn't come to mind is the typical men that you're seeing around us in our modern day. Soft in every way. They're spoon fed. They're always seeking recognition for the least and the dumbest things possible. Men who are in our day and time who are just easily offended. They're easily flustered by any (laughs) obstacle that comes before them. They're entitled. See, that's not real mature manhood. No. that's nothing about holy masculinity there no biblically speaking if you're going to get a picture the right kind of model of what a mature man looks like you actually have to go to the priesthood of god to figure out what real and mature manhood is like tell us more Pastor. i mean these men you got to think about it they were like the cowboys of their day i mean always wrestling with the livestock like those bull (laughs) wanted to come up and get slaughtered on the altar right They were like butchers. They had to know which parts belonged to the Lord and which parts were to, to be discarded. Know your cuts of meat. They were like doctors. They had to tell if there was a skin disease and if it was something that needed to be treated. These men, these priests were real men. They were. They were like environmental scientists. What? What? Is this mold merely surface deep or has it gone into something else? They were like construction workers because if that mold got in the house, they started having to do reconstruction. It's almost like like they could have worked for FCR or something. It's amazing. They were lawyers in their function, they were judges. They were definitely into uh, law enforcement. Yes, they were. They were like counselors and scholars and historians, and sometimes they were just plain old movers. As the cloud began to move, they had to pack everything up oh, and just follow oh, what God yeah. was doing. This is a, an attitude and a picture of what real men are like. This is a mature manhood perspective. Yeah. And we've only listed portions of what is entailed to be a priest and to be in the priesthood. Even with that of what we've covered so far, wouldn't you say that mature manhood is what's needed to accomplish these things? Amen. See, we're starting a series today entitled mature manhood. Everybody say mature manhood. Mature manhood. And we're going to focus on the first facet of that with today's sermon entitled the making of a priest. Everybody say the making of a priest. Making of a
1: priest. So we got a, a sermon series titled mature manhood. And today we're focused on the making of a priest. So let's go to our central scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 33. Say the making of a priest when you get there.
0: Annie. Whew. That goes fast.
1: Yeah, she's fast. So Deuteronomy 33, verse 8. Yeah, you can brace yourself. It's, we're going to stab you right in the heart this morning. And we're going to pick you up. Here we go. Deuteronomy 33, verse 8. About Levi, he said about whom? Levi. Okay. Your Thummim and Urim belong to the man you favored. You tested him at Massa. You contended with him at the waters of Meribah. He said of his father and mother, I have no regard for them. He did not recognize his brothers or acknowledge his own children, but he watched over your word and guarded your covenant. He teaches your precepts to Jacob and your law to Israel. He offers incense before you and whole burnt offerings on your altar. Look, this is Moses. Moses in the very final moments of his life. And he's taking the time to pronounce blessings on the tribes, on all 12 of the tribes or the sons of Israel. This particular blessing in this passage, it is laden with rich meaning and with the prescribed method of The making of a priest. Do you want to know more?
0: Okay, we're going to lead you. Let us show you a slide, hopefully, in Jesus' name. Oh, yeah. Come on now. You know we're going to get there. The making of a priest has to first start off with number one, to receive divine discernment. That is the very first thing that Levi, through Moses, is being accommodated for. To receive divine discernment is the first And most crucial step in growing towards mature manhood. I mean, you got to get this first step right because it serves as the cornerstone of being made into a priest. Look at Deuteronomy 33, 8 again. Just verse 8. About Levi, he said, Your Thummim and Urim belong to the man you favored. The very first thing said about Levi is that your Thummim and Urim belong to this man that has been favored, this holy man, this righteous man, this mature man, a man that was and being made into a nation of priests. See, the descendants of Levi were given the very means by which they could receive divine discernment from the Lord. On, don't you want to learn a little bit if you've been given a process and the means to actually hear from the Lord doesn't that interest you even today yeah. let's all turn to Exodus chapter 28 to see how this is given
1: say the making of a priest when you get there look when thinking about this first step that Levites priesthood were given, or the ability to receive divine discernment. Just think about this in your life. Do you want discernment about a few things in your life? Or everything? As we go through this, realize it is the Lord giving them the ability to have divine discernment about everything. So Exodus 28, verse 29. Whenever Aaron enters the holy place, he will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart on the breastpiece of decision as a continuing memorial before the Lord. Also, put the Urim and the Thummim in the breastpiece, so they may be over Aaron's heart whenever he enters the presence of the Lord. Thus, Aaron will sometimes bear the means. Always bear the means of making decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord. So look, here in Exodus, we see Moses describing Aaron's entry into the holy place as the high priest, as the big kahuna. Aaron was to bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart on what became known as the breastpiece of decision, or literally the breastpiece of mishpat the breastpiece of justice. In addition to having the names of the sons of Israel over his heart, Aaron also had the Urim and Thummim in the same breastpiece of decision. This gives the clear picture through the physical representation of the breastpiece that divine discernment was dependent upon having a heart for the sons of Israel. Let me say it again. Divine discernment was dependent upon having a heart for the sons of Israel. Thus Aaron, with the names of the sons of Israel and the Urim and Thummim over his heart, he would always bear the means, the ability of making decisions, acting upon the divine discernment that he always had access to receive. You realize that
0: he always had access to receive divine discernment. Church, are you hearing this? I mean, you're understanding what's going on here. Moses in Deuteronomy is speaking a blessing over Levi's descendants. He's saying that the favor of God upon them is giving them the means to always make the divine decision. To always have divine discernment. It belongs to them. It's given to them. It is for them. And they have received divine discernment. That should move your heart to understand that this is part of what God is also going to do for us today. Look at Numbers 27. Let's see how this continues on in the word. Numbers chapter 27. And you're going to see it very clearly. We're going to begin in verse 18. Verse 18. Somebody say the making of a priest when you get there. The man, I'm so excited I can't even talk right. Man, this is this is good stuff. Numbers 27:18, it says this. So the Lord said to Moses, "Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership, and lay yeah. your hand on him. Have him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority." So the whole Israelite community will obey him. Listen to this next verse. He is to stand before Eleazar the priest who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. At his command, he and the entire community of the Israelites will go out and at his command, they will come in. See, this passage is giving us a glimpse of the next generation. Say next generation.
1: Next generation.
0: See, what we saw begin in Exodus, we're seeing the next generation of what it's going to look like here in Numbers. It's the next generation of leadership and as it's transitioning from Moses to Joshua. And the next generation of leadership as we see Aaron's son... Eleazar, enter into the role of high priest. You're seeing it move beyond just a singular man or a pair of men. You're seeing it move into the next generation. But listen to what this says in this passage. As plain as can be, Eleazar's function was to obtain decisions for Joshua and for the people of Israel through the divine discernment of the Urim and the Thummim. The one who heard from God was Eleazar as the high priest because he had been given the Urim and the Thummim. So as we're studying this, I could hear
1: in the echoes of my memory some of the questions that we've been asked as this church has grown and operated in teams of leaders. So look at this passage, I hear the question of, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's the real leader though? But who's... Who's the senior pastor here? Uh, you know, when, when we tell them the answer, well, that's, that's the Lord is the senior pastor. Uh, we do this in teams together. No, 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 I mean, when, when it comes down to it, who really has the final say? Who is the CEO of this corporation? Well, the answer is that God was. But watch how this plays out. Eleazar had received divine discernment from the Urim and Thummim that God gave them, gave him. Joshua was then receiving divine discernment from Eleazar. So ultimately, who is it coming from? God. God through Eleazar to Joshua. Look, talk about mature manhood. When you are operating in mature manhood, You so confidently value receiving divine discernment that you're not in despair about your own leadership ability. You are overjoyed when anyone around you receives divine discernment because you can recognize that it's from God and it's for you and for his people. So look at the last sentence in this passage. At his command, he and the entire community of Israelites will go out and at his command... They will go in. So whose command? Well, let's start with his. That's what it says. Most have never considered who the his is referring to. It would seem to be Joshua, but we want to give you an additional perspective. And that is, this is Joshua and Eleazar leading together in unity. The very goal that we start off with in Ephesians 4.
0: Are you guys grasping that? Anytime in the book of Joshua, when you go forward and you see that God, that God is speaking to Joshua, God said to Joshua, according to this passage, it was likely that God said it to Eleazar, and Eleazar was saying it to Joshua. And yet it's still called the book of Joshua. See, these men were leading in tandem. They were leading as a team. They were leading together. Man, what a strange thing in our day and time to have men who actually want to yield to each other because we're truthfully just yielding to God and the exact pattern of what he yeah. said. Amen. See, Moses and Aaron did it, and then they moved it to the next generation. And Joshua and the high priest Eleazar are working in perfect tandem. Well, who heard from the Lord? Does it really matter if they heard from the Lord? Because Eleazar hears it, but Joshua is wholeheartedly executing it. They are together. See, our ability to function as priests start with our confidence that we can hear from God. Amen. Amen. Men and women in this room, we're talking to you right now. you got to have confidence that you can actually hear from God. This is not some hypothetical thing that we all shake our head to. And then five minutes after service is done, you're (laughs) worried that God won't speak to you. We are saying that the very first step is you've been given Urim and Thummim so you can hear from him. The confidence that comes from the fact that we have been chosen by God as his priest. And therefore we are enabled. We're given. We're granted the ability to receive his divine discernment through the spirit and through the word, through the Urim and through the Thummim, then leading Then we must turn and lead others with the confidence to give divine discernment. If you've received divine discernment, you must be able to give that divine discernment because it was never just for you to begin with. Mm. This is incredible, church. We're going to really dive into this.
1: So you guys getting this, that it's about receiving divine discernment so you can give divine discernment that you actually need confidence in both confidence that you can receive and confidence that you can give. we're going to break this down as we go a little bit further and show you how that plays out. But let's be clear. This is what we're talking about is more than just an intellectual acknowledgement. This is about maturing in your manhood because it requires action, not acknowledgement. Truly, if you do acknowledge that this is a truth, what should then be displayed is action in your life that shows that you can hear from God and that you can give that. So receiving and giving divine discernment is key to the making of a priest. You have received divine discernment from the Lord about a certain issue, right? So we're going to talk about some some hang-ups that try and destroy our confidence, So you receive that divine discernment. It's about a certain issue, but you wait for the perfect time to then address it. I'm preaching to me this morning, right? Okay. Amen. Me and Bim. (laughs) Which oftentimes means that you miss the moment completely to give that divine discernment. Or or you cram the content into a short period of time, making it difficult for the person to receive it. Like when they're at your door about to leave your house after spending four hours with you. That's what I'm talking about.
0: Not that we as pastors would ever have that happen to us.
1: All of this speaks to the lack of confidence to give the divine discernment that you've already received. So the perfect timing looks more like this waiting until our divine discernment will be most well received. That's really what we're waiting for because we're lacking the confidence to give what we have received. The perfect time is when that person is in front of your face, not as they're about to leave and exit the room. (laughs) Let
0: us help you with another indication that you're not walking in confidence about what you've received and what you must give. When you lack clarity in your speech, oh, you are demonstrating that you actually have no confidence that you have received and that you now must give. You know what the Bible says in Leviticus, I think it's 19. It talks about that you should speak frankly to your neighbor. You should rebuke your neighbor frankly. So that you don't cause sin to come upon them so that you're walking in a righteous way. If you're going to love your neighbor, you know what it says? That you are supposed to speak frankly to them. How much more should we be speaking frankly between husbands and wives, between parents and children? I mean, you know, uh, uh, I, I have to kind of address this with you. Well, let me tell you 15 ways and 15 things that I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you're a bad person. I'm just kind of sort of maybe bringing up. Stop. (laughs) If you've actually received something from the heavens, then you must give it. You must speak as if God were speaking to him. What if Eleazar did it that way?
1: He just needed a balanced approach.
0: A balanced approach. Stop with the balancing statements already. I mean, I really think you're a good person, but God is really showing me this. So I, you don't need a confident sandwich, a, a blessing sandwich. Let me say something good to you. Let me actually say what God said for me to say to you. And then let me make sure I didn't hurt your feelings. Okay, well, at least, at least I got the right crowd today. that's fleshly, that's worldly, that's not receiving divine discernment, nor is it giving divine discernment. See, when we lightly address something, I said the word, I think that, I think that, uh, that elder Baj is offended. So I'm going to throw in the word offense somewhere in this statement over the next 27 and a half minutes. And hopefully Baj will hear, I mean, I'm hoping that he hears the sowed like representation that I've given instead of saying Baj, I think you're offended. Wow. That's clarity, isn't it? Here is the issue. Let's dive in and let's get right to it because God has given me something and I'm going to give it to you because I've gotten something special from the heavens. When you can't give clear direction, man. Oh, pastor, really? You're going to go there? Absolutely. Yes. Amen. Of course I am. You wouldn't want anything else. Pastor, you've been talking about not just communicating with my wife, but directing my wife. And I've given her a list of maybe seven things that somewhere vaguely in the next three weeks that I'd like for her to possibly consider to engage with. Uh Not there. (laughs) Stand up. Be a mature man and speak with clarity exactly and only what God has given. No balancing statements, just frank speech. Not saying what you're not saying to someone, but going about with very specific. Everybody say specific. Specific. Very specific language and not in generalities. Man, when you do that, you start to build and grow in your confidence. You actually start standing up in real mature manhood. Yeah, you do. Now, I know we've reached
1: most people in the room with these two examples. We have a third just to make sure that we get everybody. Yeah, everybody. So your confidence to receive divine discernment, it produces something inside of you, something that God didn't intend. It produces an overconfidence in giving divine discernment. That's very dangerous. Here's what I mean. You over-address an issue, only pointing out the flaw without helping that person with a solution. You can detect this in you by realizing when you want to repeatedly talk about the problem that you discern in someone else until your full frustration has been alleviated. Now I'm done. You feel better. But they're still lacking divine discernment on what then to do about what you address. See, all
0: of these can be seen in a total light. All of this speaks to your own insecurities. That is muddying your divine discernment. Everybody wants the solution now. Everybody good for a solution? Yes. The solution to your insecurity is to gain more maturity. By walking in confidence in what God has given you yes. and the responsibility that you have to give that divine discernment for others. Yes. You must be able to give it because this is what it looks like in the making of a priest. Yeah, Look, as a priest, you will encounter many situations
1: that make you feel insecure. Because you do not initially know the answer to that situation. So look, the tribe of Levi... Received the Urim and the Thummim because they didn't have the answer within themselves. Come on. It was a must. It was a dependency. We must be faithful and confident knowing that every situation will require you to ask for divine discernment and wisdom. And here's the point. It
0: has been granted to you up front. So let's go to the scripture to show that. Let's take a look at James chapter 1 with that in mind. James chapter 1 and verse 5. Somebody say the making of a priest when you get there. James 1, 5 says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. Who gives generously to all. Yeah, without finding fault. Amen. And it will be given to him. Amen. The fact that you lack wisdom for this particular moment doesn't disqualify you as a priest. Is that good news? The fact that you <laughs> lack wisdom for this particular moment doesn't disqualify hey, you as man. a priest. It qualifies you to utilize your dependency upon him. Because God gives generously when you ask him, especially for wisdom. Your constant need is no surprise. It's not a surprise to him, and it should stop being a surprise to you and me. Amen. I should already know this. Ask him for the wisdom that you need. See, his generosity began by giving the Levites the Urim and the Thummim. And it will continue towards you and me. And he does it without searching for or finding fault. He's not looking to disqualify you because you need to ask for wisdom. This should instill the greatest level of confidence inside of you possible. Our confidence is that he will generously... Abundantly, overwhelmingly give us divine discernment when we ask, even as we are still maturing in our manhood, because this is the process of making a priest. See, when you first have confidence that you will receive divine direction, you are to mature into the confidence of giving divine direction. The giving of divine direction is for the purpose. We've got we've to understand what the purpose and the circumstances are that you are now given this divine discernment so you can rightly give the divine discernment. Do you guys want more? Yes. You want to know
1: the purpose of receiving divine discernment? This brings us to now our second step in the making of a priest. Let's all go back to Deuteronomy 33. And read verse 8 again. Say the making of a priest whenever you get there. Just to let you know, Annie is not using my OneNote. She's turning there that fast. She's just that fast. About Levi, he said, Your thumim and your urim belong to the man you favored. You tested him at Massa. You contended... With him at the waters of Meribah. After receiving divine discernment. The making of a priest requires that you then be tested through tension. I have a slide with number two up there. After receiving divine discernment. The next step that God will bring you to is being tested through tension. So let's look at this in Exodus chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 1. Say the making of a priest whenever you get there. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin. Traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? In this passage, when you see this phrase quarreled with Moses, they're quarreling with the man who received the divine discernment and was leading them with Aaron by his side, the leadership team that was God ordained for the people of God. And verse two says that they quarreled with Moses, but Moses divine discernment, let them know that they were really testing the Lord. It was towards him ultimately. And when they grumbled against Moses, they were placing the blame on Moses and thereby placing the blame on Aaron and ultimately placing the blame on God himself.
0: Okay, let's continue on in verse four. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. I think anybody in real leadership, if ever, who has ever had the pressure of leadership on your shoulders, you should understand this. What am I going to do? Verse 5, the Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people. Come on. That is a good statement for anyone thinking about leading your own home or leading in any capacity. Get out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Don't do it by yourself. Amen. Take in your hand the staff which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you at, by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled. Everybody say quarreled. Quarreled. And because they tested the Lord. Say tested. Tested. Saying, is the Lord not among us? There are so many preachable points in this passage. There's so many ways that we can understand what quarreling, how that really quarreling is us testing God. But we want to show you guys that this place was called Massa because they tested the Lord there. The Jews look at things and they call it by its function. It was such an example of testing of the Lord that that's just what they called it. That, that they called it Mirabeau because they were quarreling or contending with Moses, with the leadership and with God himself. But to gain further clarity on this passage that we're reading in Deuteronomy 33, where it says you tested him at Massa, you contended with him at the waters of Meribah, we need to go and understand who the you is. See, what's clear is that in Deuteronomy 33, we're referencing the events that we just read in Exodus 17. When the Israelites, everybody say Israelites, Israelites, tested and contended with the Lord by testing and contending with Moses and with Aaron. Is that connecting with everyone? Yeah. Right? Testing
1: Moses was testing the Lord. Quarreling with Moses was quarreling with God. Well, we found even deeper insight into knowing the you in this passage by seeing how the LXX, the Septuagint, translates Deuteronomy 33, eight. Let's pull up that next slide and we'll read it. And to Levi, he said, give to Levi his manifestations and his truth, Thummim and Urim, to the man's sacred, faithful servant, holy man, whom they tested him in trial. They reviled him at water of dispute. That had some clarity of exactly who the you is in this passage. The LXX offers clarity in this way. They tested him in trial. They reviled him at the water dispute. The they in the LXX are the Israelites, as stated in Exodus 17. And the him in Deuteronomy 33:8. the LXX is the very tribe of Levi. And the tribe of Levi consists of the leaders of the tribe of Levi. More specifically... Moses and his brother, Aaron, the high priest. These were the men the Israelites tested and contended with. The purpose of Moses and Aaron receiving divine discernment was to prove true when tested through tension. And here is a a clear point. Without the tension, you are unable to pass the test
0: with what you've received in divine discernment to know in Deuteronomy 33, that we're speaking to Levi to Levi. These things are being said, but the people were testing Levi. They were testing Moses and Aaron and they were contending with them. And the word is giving them accommodation because they then passed the test. Come on. I know that we have a room full of people who want to pass the test through tension in here. See, and as true as this scripture is, this is not our default view yet of why we receive divine discernment in the first place, is it? No. See, we think that we've received divine discernment to eliminate or alleviate tension. Guilty. You think that when you get the word of God now, whoa, everybody should just fall in place, including myself. We're trying to <laughs> eliminate or alleviate the tension instead of being tested through it to see what God has really said. Yeah I mean, we want divine discernment. Let's break this down a little bit. Let's break it down. Sometimes we just want divine discernment so that we can affirm our own uh, greatness in the kingdom. I mean, I mean, I got it. <laughs> Don't you worry, I got it. Sometimes we want divine discernment listen to this to remove the need to be challenged from anyone else. Don't ask me any questions. I heard from God. Shut up and follow. I even have a scripture. I mean, the scripture has nothing to do with what I just said was from God. I mean, you would have to have a Ph.D. in, in divining sods to be able to understand how this scripture relates to this topic. But I heard it. Don't you challenge me. Insulate, 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 <laughs> insulate. When we get divine discernment in the moment, it relieves our fears that we're not going to hear from him. So if any tension through testing comes or testing through tension comes, it's actually challenging your very first step. You no longer feel validated that you're a son of God that you did hear. Oh my goodness. You're not just challenging what I think that I heard. You're actually challenging me and my place in the kingdom. Wow. And so we are repelled by that kind of testing through tension. You know what else this does pastor? It gives you the, The
1: feeling and and actions of replacing the need for further direction. (laughs) This is what I mean. I've received divine discernment. Thanks, God. I got it from here, man. I'm good. (laughs) That's all I needed from you. I'll take it from here. I don't need any testing through tension. I just need to run free with this
0: divine discernment. At least this is not about us, right? You hear from the Lord and you immediately begin to muck things up because you've put it in the wrong timing. Yeah, I'm talking to you about me. I hope it also relates to you, but I can't tell you how many times I'm like, Ah, now I got it! Don't try to stop me now. Get out my way. Except that the Urim and the Thummim were given so that you could always discern what the Lord is saying. Amen. See, here's the issue. Let's just get down to it because we're family. Yeah. This really indicates the presence of a overwhelming amount of self-sufficiency. Everybody say self-sufficiency.
1: Self-sufficiency.
0: See, we are still surprised when we need to ask for wisdom. When we need to ask for Urim and Thummim. Is anybody in this room surprised when that happens in your life? Yes. We're still surprised Every time that we are tested through tension, it surprises us like little sheep. We turn to the side and there's testing and we're like, "Ah!" that's, that's the best sheep that I am that you're going to get out of me today. He said, bah, bah, (laughs) we're still surprised every time we lack wisdom and we need to ask. We're still surprised every time there's actual tension and that we have to fight for it. We're surprised because we're surrounded by our own self-sufficiency. Yes. God is doing in this house, what you heard a prophecy that came forth. He's putting you in the lowly situations. He is deflating your self-sufficiency. Yeah. So that he might be exalted in your life. Amen. Do not be surprised, my friends. Do not be surprised, LCM, at these things. When you are surprised, it's showing you that you're still being self-sufficient. It's okay, that'll sink in. Yeah. That'd be like a grenade. It'll just blow up inside of your heart later on. When you are surprised to ask for wisdom. I don't know what to do. I don't I can't believe that there's this testing intention in my life. I thought that the word of God would alleviate tension from me. Right. You are displaying that you are still self-sufficient, that you're relying on your own intellect, your own emotions, your own desires. See, the solution to not being surprised is found in the joyful expectation that the making of a reprie- priest requires Testing through tension. Yeah, it does. When the quarreling and the contention arises within us or around us, we have to pass the test. And LCM, God is helping us. And in this house, Amen. we're going to learn Amen. to pass the test. Amen. We're going to stand on divine discernment that we have actually received. The making of a priest must include the joyful expectation to be tested through tension in order to reach mature manhood.
1: Church, we're going to reach mature manhood together especially for those of you who weren't necessarily the most stellar of students in school. Isn't it good to know that you have a counselor with you at all times to help you pass the tests? Look, moreover, to reach the goal of maturing in manhood, it's dependent upon my, your relationship with our brothers. That phrase on the wall right here, I need my brothers, and my brothers need me, is paramount in being able to rightly go through the process of being tested through tension. Here's what I mean. I'm going to read Proverbs 17, 17 to you. It's familiar, but it applies. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. A brother is born for a time of testing through tension. So the brotherhood of priests is born. The brotherhood of priests is formed and fashioned and built through the very adversity of being tested through tension. So let's go to Deuteronomy 17 to see exactly what the need for brotherhood is in this process of being tested through tension. Say tested through tension when you get there. Deuteronomy 17 verse 8. You're just one step ahead of me, Paul. It's okay, brother. Way to jump out there. Jump in attention, baby. If cases come before your courts that are too difficult for you to judge, whether bloodshed, lawsuits, assaults, very minor things of life, take them to the place the Lord your God will choose. Go to the priest. In case you didn't know exactly who they were, who are the Levites? And to the judge who is in office at that time, inquire of them and they will give you the verdict. You must act according to the decisions they give you at the place the Lord will choose. Be careful to do everything they direct you to do. Act according to the law they teach you and the decisions they give you. Do not turn aside
0: from what they tell you to the right or to the left. See church, we can see here where James 1 gets its footing. The cases that are too difficult for you. I mean, when you lack wisdom and you need to go about the process of asking God by asking the right people in your life. See, God's people were instructed to ask the very men, the mature men, who, had given, who were given the Urim and the Thummim as the method, as the means to receive and to give divine discernment. They had to go to the Levitical priesthood and the judge. Yes. Even in this case, you see the teamwork that's required throughout the word of God. There's not a singular leader that you're looking at, but you're looking to teams of people. These teams were the leadership of Israel. These men who knew how to pass the testing through tension were empowered to give the verdict. Somebody say the verdict.
1: The verdict.
0: Not a verdict. Oh. The verdict. And because they had received and given the verdict, the responsibility then shifted to the people to do everything that they were directed to do. They could not turn aside to the right or to the left. They couldn't have alterations or or adaptations or even options of doing anything other than what those men of God instructed them to do. These principles should sound really, really familiar to you, LCM. I mean, this is what we've encapsulated at this church as our jarhead covenant. Yeah. I mean, but let us help you. To tie these, this passage with the Jarhead Covenant together. Can we help you with this today? Yeah. The Jarhead Covenant is more than having a group of people that you can ask difficult questions to. They are not a board of advisors. I have a quick <laughs> question I want to throw out there for you. What do you guys Good. think? Then you take a poll of what they say. And then you decide what you're going to do it's an option. The jarhead covenant is laid out just like Deuteronomy 17. Yes. See the men who are in my jarhead covenant, like pastor Matt, like elder Baj and elder John, elder Charlie. Here's what I do when I have a situation that's too difficult for me to decide. Do you know what I do? I go and I present it to them. And then here's what I'm doing as they are praying and hearing from God. You know what I'm doing? I'm getting ready to do exactly what they say. I don't turn to the right, I don't turn to the left. I don't decide after I hear what they say, if I'm going to do what they told me. Come on, on. That's good. I am going to do whatever they tell me before they say it. Do you see how this is played out in our actual lives here in this church? See, because these are men who have a proven track record that they can hear and do exactly what God says. These are men who have the confidence to both receive divine direction and give divine direction in each and every situation. These are men who have stood with me. They've stood with each other. They've stood with the Lord. And they can see and have been proven through testing. These are men who will directly address me Speak frankly to me when I need it the most. Yes. You realize that when you need it the most, you're going to want it the least. Say that again. You realize that when you most need divine discernment, which is in the case that's already too hard for you. We've already established that you are going to want that the least. This is why we determine what we're going to do ahead of time. These are some incredibly deep and good principles. Many of you are nodding fully and wholeheartedly. But if you can get these principles as we're laying them out for you today, it will change your everyday walk with God himself.
1: You realize this, pastors. Not only do we want you to understand this. The more important issue is that we want to see you doing this, demonstrating. Well, look, don't forget, we're talking about the making of a priest this morning. We're talking about developing into a mature manhood. So we have a question for all of you. I mean, men and women alike. Okay. All right. We're ready. Both. Are you ready for a question? Uh, we're ready. Do you have low T? Low T. What I mean is, do you have low test tolerance? Test tolerance. What I mean is a low threshold of standing in the tension. Standing in the tension of any challenge to your divine discernment. God's priesthood, mature manhood calls for a high level of tea. It calls for a high level of testing through tension. One that demonstrates a tenacity and vigor to joyfully embrace the testing. And the reason being because you know what it will produce inside of you and everyone else around you. It will produce mature manhood. It will produce a progeny of priesthood that have mature manhood. So look, to make sure we're all on track, that we're connecting the dots in the understanding of the making of a priest. We want to just line this out for you. Are you ready? Your divine discernment will undergo testing through tension. This is the mature perspective in the
0: making of a priest. And it leads us to our third point in this process. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 9. To catch our third point of the day, he said of his father and mother, I have no regard for them. He did not recognize his brothers or acknowledge his own children. See, after you've received and learned how to give divine discernment, after you have been tested through tension, the very next step on the slide that we'd like to show you is that you must be able to judge without partiality. To judge without partiality in any way. We want to help you to understand this. We want everyone to turn to Leviticus chapter 10. Leviticus chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse 6. Come on, say, judge without partiality when you get there. Leviticus 10 and 6. Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Eleazar and Ithamar, do not let your hair become unkept, or do not, and do not tear your clothes, or you will die, and the Lord will be angry with the whole community. But your relatives, all the Israelites, may mourn for those the Lord has destroyed by fire. Do not leave the entrance to the tent of meeting, or you will die, because the Lord's anointing oil is on you. So they did as Moses said.
1: So look, this is the account of God giving instructions to Aaron and his two sons regarding the judgment that came upon Nadab and Abihu, Aaron's two older sons who offered unauthorized fire before the Lord. God demanded that Aaron and his sons judge without partiality, meaning that their interfamilial relationships did not even equal the responsibility to the divine word of God. Aaron, Eleazar, and Ithamar were not even allowed to mourn to do so would show partiality in their judgment and ultimately contempt towards God's judgment. It was a righteous judgment given from God to Moses that demonstrated divine discernment. And it proved true in the testing through tension. The Levites They got this right at Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 32, where the word says that they all rallied to Moses' side to show judgment without partiality against their own brothers. Aaron and his sons get this right in Leviticus 10, and this is why they are commended in Deuteronomy 33 verse 9. They are commended for not letting family ties cloud their judgment with partiality. So let me ask you something. Do you have a differing standard for your family members than the word has for them? Do you show partiality in your judgment because you just love them and you want to see them do well? I mean, how can I abandon my own family? How can I leave behind my own flesh and blood?
0: Church, there have been so many men of God who are no longer serving the Lord right now because they've turned to supporting wickedness. In their own flesh and blood, whether that's their own children or their own relatives, they have shown partiality and decided that the family tie was more important than what God's standard actually says. So let's just show a very light version of this, but it's still partiality. When we as parents make excuses for the sin in our children's life, we're showing partiality towards our children instead of the standard of God. They're just tired, they're sick. They're just they're just like that. They're a little fussy today. Let's not pretend like it is anything other than a sinful nature that's being fully on display. Stand with the word of God and you will bring life to them. Yeah. Husbands, you show partiality to your wife instead of the word of God when you don't stand up and speak to them exactly what must be said. Wives, you show partiality to your own feelings instead of the instructions that the husbands are giving oh. you. Yeah. See, this is not for someone else, someone else somewhere else. You, th- Oh, I think he's talking about that person. No, I'm talking about you. If you're going to be a priest, you have to learn how to judge without partiality. Amen. Amen. To the point... There are people who are judging with partiality to the point that you begin to alter, change the truth of God's word to conform it to your own desires. Well, I think the word of God really means this You wicked, wicked person, fall on your knees now and repent. It's not unusual for people who are walking in partiality to be unable to determine even the salvation of their own family members. Anyone else in their workplace, they'd be like, that dude's a heathen. But if they get the same kind of DNA in you somewhere, even extended, you start going, uh, you, know, you know, they mean well. They said the word Jesus, some expletives before and yeah, after. I right? mean, it wasn't very holy, but see, this results in the priesthood of God. Listen to me. This results in the priesthood of God being despised because the priest's are acting impartiality. Yeah. You hate when someone else acts like a hypocrite, but then you judge with partiality. See, we're going to fix this today because God is bringing it to our attention. Amen. Malachi 2.9, let me just read this to you. It says, so I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people because you have not followed my ways, but you have shown partiality in matters of the law. If you can show, let me, let me put it in the most positive way that I can say it. Yeah. Now that we've, now that I've gotten your attention, now that pastor Matt has gotten your attention, let me say it in the most positive way that I can. If you can show judgment without partiality with your own family, then you can do it with anybody. anybody. You can do it with the stranger. You can do it with the coworker. If you can do it with those that you consider closest to you. This standard is applicable in all area of our lives. You know why? Because God's word applies to all areas of our life. We're going to be held accountable for how we hold his word or uphold his word as priests. And God is bringing it to our attention so that we can get it right in this house. Can somebody say amen?
1: Amen. Look, turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. Say the making of a priest when you get there. You guys finding confidence as we progress through this? It's only going to increase guys. Revelation two, verse one to the angel of the church in Ephesus, right? These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false you have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary the church at Ephesus is able to test even those claiming to be apostles and finding them false because they judged without partiality they had judgment without partiality because they joyfully expected to be tested through tension. This was the result of them possessing the confidence to receive divine discernment and thereby have confidence to give divine discernment. Not only did they do this once, but it was ongoing. It's what defined their character. They were persevering in this process and not growing weary in the making of a priest who actually reaches the point of mature manhood.
0: Do you see how this is progressing? We started talking to you about family members. What if you're doing okay with your family, but then someone's title causes you to back off of the standard of God, their position in society. These men were claiming to be apostles. They were claiming to be the elite of the kingdom. Yeah. But, the church at Ephesus was able to judge without partiality and not even let someone's title or position move them away from God's word. Come on. How are you doing with your family? How are you doing with those that have positions or titles? Let's turn to 1st Timothy 5 for our second to last scripture, our penultimate scripture for today. 1st Timothy chapter 5, verse 21. I just learned something. can only hold me back for so long.
1: Let it rip, brother.
0: All right, First Timothy in our penultimate scripture of the day. First <laughs> Timothy 5, verse 21. It says, I charge you in the sight of God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels. Wow. That's heavy. <laughs> Is that a pretty serious addressing here? I charge you yes. in the sight of God. Ooh, you got my attention. In the sight of God and Christ Jesus. All right, I'm totally paying attention. And the elect angels. Uh, Okay. (laughs) So how important do you think this next phrase is? To keep these instructions without partiality. And to do nothing out of favoritism. Wow. This is a good word for us today. Yeah. See, Paul, who's a true apostle, is charging his son in the faith, Timothy who was the pastor at the church of Ephesus to keep instructions regarding the discipline of elders. His charge is that discipline even to elders are to be done and without partiality or favoritism. Yeah. Wow. See, you were only thinking about partiality of someone that you don't value as highly. What about the favoritism of that you hold in a different category? Yeah. If not even the elders in a church are above the standard of the word. And I love that our elders in this church would never try to stand in that kind of position. They always yield to the word of God. If the elders are not above the standard of the word of God and are actually held to a higher standard. Then what does that mean for us, church? Ooh. This apostolic direction given by Paul to Timothy was for the benefit, for the education, the accountability for all the family of God and those who are being made into priests. There can be no relationship. There can be no relationship, no position that is elevated above the standard of God's word. Paul understood this because he went through the making of a priest process. He learned how to grow into a mature manhood. And it was his life's work to grow others into what he already was. Particularly through the difficulty and trials and many hardships that he faced. Did Paul go through
1: a lot of hardships? Aren't we reaping the benefit of him having gone through them? Let's turn to our last scripture in Acts chapter 27. And just briefly look at one of these hardships. And see the clear evidence of the making of a priest inside of him. Verse 23 is where we'll pick up. Last night an angel of the God to whom I belong. and whom I serve stood beside me and said do not be afraid Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Some island. I just know it's there. Paul is a fantastic example of a mature man who has been made into a priest. Paul has received the divine discernment and he is now giving divine discernment to the 276 souls on the ship which is transporting him as a prisoner. He has zero authority in leadership until he receives divine discernment. He has passed the test through tension of telling his captors to keep their courage because he has actually heard from God. Paul has judged without partiality, not only correcting his captors, but giving them courage, but also telling them of the difficulties that yet lie ahead of them. You know, in this entire accounting, Paul says twice to keep up your courage. What are your pastors saying this morning? Your pastors and elders are saying to you, church, keep up your courage. God is making you into a priest. He's bringing you to a point of mature manhood. Keep up your courage that God will speak to you. You will stand the test through tension. That you can and you will show judgment without partiality, and we will
0: grow into a nation of joyful priests that are full of mature manhood. Come on now. See, mature manhood is what we are confidently growing into. The situations that you're in right now, that you've been through this week, Is part of the process that God is using to grow you into a mighty man, a mature man. Each of us are experiencing the very process of being made into a priest. And that's designed to give you confidence. It's actually designed to cause you to stand up and be like, yes, I see what's going on. Thank you for your process, Lord. Confidence to receive divine discernment that passes the testing through tension able to give you the confidence to give direction and show judgment without partiality. Today at this altar, today, it's going to be a time for, our, for us to evaluate our hearts and our actions. I have three questions for you. Are you bypassing the very first step of receiving divine discernment And acting solely on your own. Charging forward or holding back. Because it's what you think that you should do. The very first step is you've got to receive. And learn to give divine discernment. Do you have low T? Are you avoiding the testing through tension. Whenever you have heard from God. Staying in the shadows of self-sufficiency. And avoiding any challenge to your divine discernment is your judgment tainted with partiality, filled with favoritism that applies a different standard to yourself or someone close to you rather than what God holds all men accountable for. In just a second, I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to begin to pray. This altar is for you today to come and find your confidence Stand with us. Mighty God, we come before you right now. Lord, we are desperate to be able to hear from you. Lord, we are desperate to be able to, to receive divine direction and to learn how to give this properly. Not, cling, not lurching forward or, or, or holding back. Lord, we want to engage with the testing through tension, Lord. We don't want to be repulsed by it, looking for another way, God. But we're seeing that this is the way that you have for us. Lord, our judgment is so filled with partiality, but you are teaching and training the men and the women in this room to judge without partiality. Lord, give us confidence as we come before this altar today in Jesus' name.